Hello and welcome to RocketPod, a brand new podcast where we're going to be deconstructing visionary stories from across all different industries and professions, gaining real-life insight into how they achieve their visions of success. My name is Harry Damon. I'm joined today by James and producer Peter. It's a new year 2021 and over the next 12 weeks we're going to be releasing each episode, giving you the chance to hear firsthand from all of our guests, including gold medal Olympians to the UK's number one motivational business speaker, C-suite execs, YouTubers, world record holders and more. And I think without further ado, it's time for me to introduce our first guest for the series. We are joined by none other than gold medal Olympian Sally Gunnell, the only woman to hold the world Olympic European and Commonwealth gold medals at the same time. Let's get this episode going. Good morning, Sally. How are you doing? Yeah, uh, it's a pleasure. Yes, I'm doing all right. Yeah, surviving the last few months and uh, quite enjoyed it, which sometimes you don't want to admit you have, but it's been quite nice to spend time with the family a bit. So yeah, it's good. That's nice. It's sort of made you stop and actually given you that opportunity to spend some time with your family. Um, so Sally, just to start us off, please could you share with our audience what your upbringing was like and if you'd say it influenced your destiny to become an Olympic gold medalist? Yeah, I think it did. I think I, I grew up on a farm in Essex and I think having that sort of outdoor life, um, I was forever running up to the fields to see my dad and the tractor and just playing outside. Um, so I think I think it did and I think Seeing my father, you know, the work ethic that he put in and being a farmer was was part of it as well. So, yeah, I mean, you still got to have that sort of determination and talent at the same time. But I think being exposed to that much sort of activity from a youngster was really good and having people around me that inspired me. So your dad was quite a big influence on your life? Yeah, very much so. Probably my mum as well. Yeah, I mean, they were... You know, I think for him, he was always very busy on the farm. But I think you just learned that, you know, to get success and get results, you've got to work hard. Um, and it doesn't happen overnight. It was that sort of scenario. And, um, yeah, I mean, I joined a club when I was 12 years old, um, which I loved. And I found a talent for running and something you were good at. Um, and then it was just having, again, you know, parents that run me to the training, which sometimes was sort of an hour, two hours away, rang me to sort of meetings, just being there and, um, you know, giving up quite a lot of their own time to be able to come and help and support me in, in something that I love. So you joined that club and you found that passion. You had your parents driving you back and forth to training. But at what point did you maybe realise that this could go further, that, that you really had a talent for this and actually you could take it outside the club and to the next level? Yeah, probably not until I sort of finished school. Um, and I think it was then it was sort of about choices about what I was going to do. You know, I was most of my friends were going traveling or they were going to university and that sort of things. But I knew that, you know, by that point I was being coached by one of the top coaches in the country. Um, and I think also I was sort of, um, you know, realized that I needed to train twice a day and that I needed to sort of up the amount of training that I was doing. So I sort of got a part-time job um, and trained twice a day, sort of most days and, and made that commitment. And, and again, lucky to have the support of my parents to be able to financially support me as well in some ways as well. So yeah, I mean, that was a big, big move and a big change, but I always knew that I could go and you know, I could step away from that if it didn't work. And I know I was just uh, surrounded by a lot of people of, that would say, what a waste of time. 
um, you know, you'll never make it scenario and, you know, go and get a proper job and stuff. But I didn't, I didn't listen to that. It was a passion. And, you know, again, I had some great people that were telling me that, you know, you had something special and, um, you know, let's give it a go almost. So I'd be interested to touch on balance. Um, so you had this passion and drive for running, but also mentioned you had a part-time job, you had family, probably training, diet. Um, so my question is, how did you balance this? And guess what drove you to continue towards this and to follow this passion for running? Um, I think it was just wanting to see how good I could get at something. You know, I was, you know, when I look back now and the letters that I wrote to companies for sponsorship and support and stuff like that you know I was you know I'm a bit sort of like wow you know I had a real nerve almost but I was you know I was very determined I knew what I wanted and I think I was excited to just to be to see how good I could get um, and you know yes your athletics took up a lot of time and I was then lucky to get good people that I worked for an accountant uh, panel Kerr foster that gave me time off and but I still worked for them twice a week uh, up in London, had to travel up from Brighton by that point. So, you know, then then there was still that determination of coming home from Brighton and seven o'clock at night and doing your training on those days and stuff like that. And it was just, yeah, I was just so determined and I would do what it what I needed to do to make it work. There was no thought about, you know, giving up or, you know, developing anything else. It was, I just wanted to be a runner and I, you know, and by that point I was starting to get, you know, Great Britain Internationals and uh, maybe Anna just sponsoring me in bits and pieces. I was starting to get somewhere as well by the time I'd sort of got to 20 and stuff. So yeah, I, I could see that the progress was happening. That's awesome. You were starting to see sort of tangible results. Um, well, added our sponsorship, GB International, um, so I guess, so you finished school, you had to make all the choices of, well, you had mates going to university, but you had this passion for running, so you wanted to pursue that. Um, but just quickly, throughout your growing up, throughout your childhood, um, I guess, what was the most memorable race for you, actually? Um, and actually triggered or actually made gave you that real realisation that there could be Olympic potential here? Um, I mean, I think right from a very young age, you know, we had a such thing called the English schools, which is like the national championship. So right from sort of 14, 15, I was sort of winning those sorts of events. So I knew that, you know, I did have that sort of talent. I mean, I was doing a totally different event to what I ended up as because I was sort of doing long jump and uh, short hurdles and heptathlon and stuff. And so I had to keep sort of reinventing myself along the way to get better um, and realising that I wasn't so good at certain events and that I need to focus more on this. So there was lots of sort of right hand turns if you know what I mean and um which which worked out which is great to look back at and see that it did work out but I guess I, I won the Commonwealth Games well I didn't go to the Olympics in um 84 when I would have been 18 years old and I remember just missing out and being really disappointed um and I think that was a real sort of like point where I really want this and uh it wasn't about giving up it was about finding a way to actually think right how can I better myself what can I do and it sort of made me one of the first changes of events really I went from heptathlon to doing the short hurdles so I guess that was sort of the first time that I sort of thought okay I'm, you know I'm going to change a bit here and I really want this and, and spurred me on even though I was sort of very disappointed I didn't get there um, and then two years later I won the, the Commonwealth Games as a 20 year old which was you know, quite something, um, and you know, shocked myself at 
you know, being the fastest in the Commonwealth Games and winning that and wasn't expecting it. But I think that sort of propelled me into the sort of like the next six years journey really of, um, you know, of going out there and delivering. But, you know, lots of lots of ups and downs and lots of things that I had to learn and on the way, um, you know, four, six years later to being that Olympic champion, really. That's, re- that's really interesting. Thanks for sharing that, Sally. Uh, so just back to your childhood, um, obviously you had really uh, a good emotional support from your parents. Um, where did the determination come from? And did you have quite a structured environment growing up or, or did your parents kind of give you freedom to try different things? Because um, obviously I can see from what you just explained, you, you kind of built on that momentum um, once you kind of got going. But that spark when you joined the club, can you talk about your, yeah, your environment? Was it structured or was it, yeah, was it um, unstructured? Gosh, difficult to say, really. I mean, I was having my own kids now. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we didn't, we were in the middle of nowhere and the farm, so you made your own entertainment uh, and stuff like that. Um, You know, I think it's that, you know, nature-nurture sort of thing. I think you're you're born with that talent, but I think it's often the people that are around you and, and the opportunities and stuff that make you into that person. So I think it was... It was structured in some ways because it was always, you know, the farm life was up at five o'clock in the morning and you had your lunch at one o'clock and, you know, you had your dinner all together and probably the farm life finished about nine o'clock at night in the summer. Do you know what I mean? So there was, you know, it was a very structured sort of day around that. Um, but I think the, the club gave you structure as well. You know, when I was 14 years old, I was, you know, three times down at the athletics club, but it was it was more of a club. It was more of a social and it was just, you know, it's the first thing I say to anybody that's enjoying sport, go and join a club because it's much more than just developing your physical side of it. It's it's the camaraderie, it's the the learning, it's the, you know, communication, it's all those sorts of things that you learn, which is so important. So another question I had for you around goal setting. So um, obviously been looking a little bit about your background and, and kind of the message you're putting out there in the world. Can you talk about um, your relationship with, with goal setting and how that may have evolved over, uh, over time? Yeah, I mean, it's still something that drives me now. I think it's about, uh, I think it's something that my coach installed with me. You know, you've got to get to that point where, you know, you know what you've got to achieve. Um, you know, so he always allowed me to have what I used to call my dream goals, which would be the ultimate, the Olympics. And you probably never even realised you'd get there, but you're allowed to to think like that and people around you allow you to think like that to um knowing what you want to achieve in four years a year's time next week today you know and i think that was always something every training session that like what we're going to get out of today's training session and it wasn't always the positive it was always about learning things so it was often about you know he would he would educate me in, in finding the negatives almost so I had something to improve on every time. It wasn't always about, oh, that was a brilliant hurdle. It was about, right, how can I improve that hurdle? You know, my trail leg was slightly, you know, slower or whatever else. And he was making me think that. Um, as like, what, what do I need to do different? And working out and stuff like that, which I think was a, a skill that he put into me. Um, so goal setting is, you know, the day you retire, it's, it was the first thing that I did. You know, what now? Um, I guess through my athletics career, I had that, you know, the ultimate goal to go for, which is, you know, in my second part of my life, I said lots of different things around family, personal fitness, work, you know, they're all 
Um, they all deserve goals and they're all and it helps you to have meaning and purpose for your day, which I think is really important. Okay, so you, you had your moonshot goal, obviously you know, winning gold at the Olympics, and then you it sounds like would you work with your coach to get down different steps? Um, and obviously every step needed a lot of hard graft and dedication um, to achieve each step. Uh, but I guess having that big goal, I, mean, I guess um, everyone needs a purpose, whether they're, you know, trained to be an Olympic world champion like yourself or whether they're, you know, whether they want to start a business or whatever it is. So, you know, it's just, um, it's, it's helping our listeners understand, you know, the mindset that's required for them to, I guess, reach for the stars. Um, but also have the reality that they need to break it down into manageable steps. Have you got anything else you want to... Yeah, I think what people try and do is they have their ultimate, and um, but they haven't got clarity in how they're going to achieve it. And I think that was always something that was really important. You know, it's it's great to think and to know where you want to be. And I think that's really important for some of the really sort of tough days that you have where you want to give up and... I don't know, you're injured or something hasn't happened, you've had a bad training session and then it, that's why it's so important to know what it is you're trying to achieve. But also you've got to have clarity in how you're going to get there. So um, each each week, each month, each day was, you know, a, a structure that was in place. And sometimes you have to diverse off it because things happen of, injuries or illness or you know you lose a deal that you wanted to get or whatever it may be um but you know you had to learn how to what from those situations and um you know become a better person from it and, and give that direction so and then that's the that's the not giving up and that was the piece around okay this has happened for a reason and i'll be a better person because of this um, and I think it's about understanding that and, um, and, and, you know, always learning, you know, I had, um, I had a great team of people around me. Uh, I think that's the thing that I learned over the years is you can't do this on your own. Um, and I think for many years I tried to learn everything about my sport, but you can't. Um, so I built up, you know, a great team of people. And I think it's about not being scared to ask for help. Um, and, you know, and having specialists in there and, you know, we had nutritionists and psychologists and physiologists and, you know, a whole team of people that got you to that end result and helped you on that journey. And um, even though I was the one that was putting them in place, you know, they all had their own goals and their own, you know, situations that they had to, you know, they wanted to, to do and achieve in themselves, but it was working together, you know, to help me to be able to achieve what I was trying to achieve. I think that's great. You built that support network around you that able to help and support you towards your goal. Um, okay, so in 1991, so you got silver in the Tokyo World Championships. Now, I listened to an interview a few weeks back um, and you shared that when you got to ninth hurdle, you were currently in the lead and then you realised you were in the lead, panicked, your mind took over, the panic took over and you actually just missed out on gold. So will you be able to share with the audience what this was like and what you learnt from this? Yeah, massive amount. I mean, it was only a year from winning that Olympic gold medal, but I knew that um, the reason I didn't win, it, it wasn't that I didn't have the credentials. It wasn't that I hadn't trained hard enough or anything like that. It was just pure belief, pure belief in myself and who I am as an individual. And, um, you know, and I think in so many things that I've come across now, especially when I work in a lot of organisations, it's about you know, that's what holds us back is, you know, and it's not arrogance. 
it's just we're very quick to listen to that inner voice and just tell ourselves that we're not good enough and that we we can't quite do this or you know should I've done that and whatever else and that's what I did on that day and I was and I was worrying about other people you know you, you can have massive respect for other people um but you know you can't change what they're doing so you know why even worry about it and that's exactly what I was doing on on that race day in, in 91 before you know with that world championships and why I came second is because I was worrying about things that are outside of my control um so I knew that you know and, and you know just by doing that I brought in the, the sports psychologist um you know and I hadn't worked with one not many athletes worked in one at that point but he was the person that you know taught me around visualization and, and self-belief and how to quieten that inner voice up and to how to mentally prepare yourself and you know that whole 12 months every single day was about looking at what I was trying to achieve it was about visualizing it it was about having the steps and that clarity that I've already talked about is what I've got to put in place to execute that right thing on that day um, and that's why it's important to have those goals and those visions so you can you know mentally prepare yourself so you can visualize um, and you know the difference is that when you go to achieve something you you've prepared yourself you mentally have been there you're not in shock um it feels comfortable um, and also i sort of mentally prepare things that could go wrong and i think that's a great thing for business i think it's about sometimes thinking about things that could go wrong so for me it was about oh, what happens if i got lane one on in that olympic final and i hit you know which is quite tough or if i hit a hurdle what was i going to do or the bus turned up late so I think it's sometimes about looking at every scenario, not always just the positive and that perfect race, but, you know, there's going to be, you know, things that are going to be thrown at you and whatever we're doing. And it's about, you know, trying to be ready and build that resilience to be able to get back in and to be able to, to adapt and to move forward and not throw all the toys out and just think, oh God, this isn't meant to be. And like, you know, nightmare. It's like, okay, this has happened. Let's just do it. And I think that was, one of the biggest skills that I had to learn, but it took many years to be able to do that, but it took a lot of mental strength and mental time to be able to, to do that sort of thing. That's interesting. I didn't really realize the kind of the, the mental strength that was required, kind of the importance of mindset um, and how much it kind of influences and how much influence, I guess, the difference between that silver and that gold, but also the difference between just even giving it a go. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's a lot of people out there with a lot of talent and it's what, what makes you different to everybody else. Um, and often that is the mindset, is the, is the difference. And I would often say, you know, as much as in some of those big races, as much as 70% is, is in the mind. Um, and those girls, you know, they hated me by the end of it because, you know, they would beat me week in, week out, but it got to major championships. And I was the one that prepared for that moment, you know. And, you know, they're like, oh, how has she done that? And it was just that mental preparation that allowed us to do it. So, yeah, it's, it's a powerful tool, I always say. In fact, on the, on the mindset um, subject, so how much of it do you think is mindset as, as a percentage uh, versus physical ability? Obviously, you, you need to be physically strong and, and capable. Um, but is there a ratio that you would put to it, just finger in the air, 70, 30? Or well, yeah, I think that's 70% because I think, you know, there was people in that race that were faster than me, stronger than me. Um, you know, I think I was technically better than them, but they were 
probably better, you know, six foot tall and an amazing athlete, you know, physically. But what I had was that mental preparation and I knew exactly what I had to execute on that day. So, yeah, 70% of it, I would say, is, is the mind. And, um, you know, you and I've seen it all the time with so many things. You know, you can physically be amazing and you can be have the best talent out there. But if you haven't got that belief and you haven't prepared yourself mentally, then you, you won't you know you won't achieve and, and it's exactly the same in business and it, and it is that difference between arrogance but you get lots of people within business that's a very good talker um and they can talk their way into it but they haven't put the bits in place you know so you've still got to have all those elements um and i think it's just yeah it's about giving yourself time to mentally prepare yourself beforehand rather than just trying to you know, talk yourself out of a situation or whatever it may be or talk yourself into it at the last minute. It's giving yourself time and the respect that you need as a person and that, and that you know, what you can create. Yeah, and that, in fact, um, you mentioned visualisation earlier on. And, and it, I mean, psychology is a, is a subject that I'm particularly interested in. Um, so I don't know whether you have a comment to this theory that um, you, you control the thoughts you think. Um, you control the, you know, what you, the, what you visualize and you control the actions that you take. Um, so you've basically covered those three things off. Um, and it's, it's this conditioned mindset that you can, you know, you can do it. And, and the other thing that um, interested me, what you said was, you know, you were looking at scenarios that if things did go wrong um, and rather than focus on the problem, if you hit a hurdle or whatever, um, or, you know, we'll come up with a, you know, face a challenge. It's what you do in that situation. So you'd already mentally trained yourself to expect that you know those different scenarios and you of course you can't plan everything um but can you talk more about that uh, or any any comments on that um yeah i mean i think it was it was a process that i had to learn and it is it's just finding a solution for lots of different things and and sometimes i'm sure it can be very annoying for people because i always you know it's like right i've got to get this sorted rather than sitting back and and doing that but it, you know it was something that i you know, and, and as you say, in the first part of it was about that inner voice and controlling it. Um, and it is the voice everybody has of, you know, I feel a bit tired today. and oh God, this isn't a very good bit of work. And you either choose to listen to that um, or you choose to go, okay, do you know what I miss and this, you know, and, and that's what I had to learn was just to keep force feeding those positive thoughts but it is about finding time to do that you know it's not just going to happen and you know I would take five minutes each day and it might be that I was going for a walk or driving a car cleaning my teeth but I would take myself off to what I was trying to achieve and to that inner voice and just spend time you know just giving yourself that confidence and it, I think it's you know the thing that we all lack and it's you know it's amazing as I say, to be able to say, do you know what? You've worked hard. You deserve this. You're a great guy. You know, let's, you know, let's see where you can go. And, um, you know, I've worked hard for it. And, you know, and it's about, you know, let's, you know, teaching yourself to be able to do that. I'd like to take this moment to introduce to you our sponsor, Flexi, the must-have app to track and manage your subscriptions in one place. So most of us have multiple subscriptions nowadays for things like streaming services, gym memberships and food deliveries. These are great and take the hassle out of buying everyday products that we consume regularly, but it can be hard to keep track of them. 
That's where Flexi comes in handy, using super secure technology to connect your accounts to see all your subscriptions in a single dashboard, putting you in control of your spending. And what's more, Flexi's subscription marketplace allows you to discover new products you may love, or easy to pause, resume, or cancel in a swipe or two. So give Flexi a try, it's free to download from the App Store, or check out their website at www.flexiapp.uk. That's F-L-E-X-Y app.uk. Back to the podcast. So the year after you came back, there was nothing stopping you and you went and took gold in Barcelona. I guess just for our audience, would you be able to just detail what that was like from starting that race to finish to taking that gold medal? Yeah, the difference was from that year before to is I don't remember anything of that Olympic race because I'd mentally prepared myself, because I'd done all that work, which took hours and hours and hours. I just got on the line and I went into this thing which is called the zone and I think I never did it twice in my whole career. But it's where you you just go into, you know, autopilot almost, you know, the gun went and I don't remember any part of that race until I crossed the the line and I ran um, the ultimate race. You know, it was the perfect race almost that I'd practiced every single day, probably some days, I don't know, 20 times a day but I executed it exactly the stride pattern and um, what leg and everything, every time I had to hit a hurdle that I'd worked out. And um, to the point where you crossed the line and I think the biggest thing for me was I didn't know whether it was the real thing or whether it was just another rehearsal in my mind. And um, it took months, months and months for it to, to sink in because you just go, I don't know, I, it was just like, why me? Why has, you know, farmer's daughter from Essex become an Olympic champion? And then you're like, wow, this is crazy. And I think finally I did think about, you know, and I broke it down, but I did, I found it really hard. And probably, you know, your question was probably, is one of the hardest questions that I've ever had in my life. You know, I get asked it all the time because it's so hard to describe because it was just complete shock and disbelief that, I'd actually sort of achieved that. And it was quite interesting because it's not until you retire that you have time to look back and see what you did and to understand it. At the time, you then are already going on to the next thing. Um, and I think that's another trait of somebody that's quite successful. It's, um, you know, yeah, it's like, okay, love this feeling. It's brilliant, but I want more. Um, and, you know, you set yourself your new goals, your new targets and world records, all these sorts of things. And you go again and you don't have time to reflect, to celebrate, to, uh, you know, to even think about it. And, you know, and I think it was just like, right, off to the next one, next thing, next thing. And I think it wasn't until, you know, as, as I said, I retired, as you get older, you know, when your kids start asking you questions, that you go, "Wow, I was I was quite good once." <laughs> but yeah, it's a weird thing. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that, Sally. Uh, there's actually a book that um, it makes me think of. It, it's a book called Breaking the Rules by I think it's Kevin Wright. I know the last I know the last name is Wright W R I G H T, um, and he talks about um, effortless high performance. So your your you know your mental conditioning, your physical training. Um, were you able to replicate getting in, into the zone? You said you worked hard on that. Um, is it something that you could switch on or is it something that the conditions just had to be perfect? Um, and obviously, you know, these big events, maybe that's what it took. Yeah, that, I think that's why it only ever happened twice. It's because it takes 
pressure, expectation, mental preparation, you know, it's not something that you can just drop in and out each week. It, you know, it doesn't happen like that. You know, I found it's very draining. Um, but that's but that's maybe just me. You know, I was, uh, right, this is the moment, this is the focus, this is what I'm building up to, and that's what I could do. Whereas, you know, for lots of other people, maybe they are capable of doing that each week. But it, I just found it very draining. And, um, you know, it was... I don't know, I suppose it was just what I was trying to achieve. It was just, you know, what was important in my life. It wasn't about times, it wasn't about money, it was just about being the best version that I could be. And I think that's, I knew I couldn't reach that all the time and it just had to be on that day. So I think that's probably a personal thing. But also to get yourself there, I mean, I don't know how many people have actually been there and, you know, I don't, you know, I'm going to get there now. You know, it took sport, and I know sport is something that people talk about within sport, um, to allow yourself to get there. And, but I think a lot of it is the nerves and the pressure that you're under at the same time. Fantastic. Um, so can you talk a little bit about your um, transition, you know, from obviously um, from an athlete to, you know, a business, um, a businesswoman. Uh, can you talk about that transition and how you, you know, how that's changed you know how your life's changed um and i guess also your you know what your vision is for the next decade you know what do you, what message are you looking to put out out in the world just for our listeners out there that uh, might be going through a transition uh can you talk a little, a little bit about that yeah i mean i think it was hard the day you retire because it's you know it's one whole part of your life um and i just think you know and i was what 29 years old and no, 28 something like that so it's a bit of a weird thing because that had been my life for years and I know a lot of sports people really struggle um but the first thing I did was to actually sit down and set those goals and I think as soon as I knew what it was and you know I haven't been able to go skiing I haven't been able to you know drive go-karts all those sorts of things so I think it was you know, as soon as I knew what it was, what it looked like, and there were certain things work-wise that was being offered, I was excited by it. Um, and I knew it was the right thing that I'd, you know, I'd given up in the track and, you know, I had this whole new start. And I think, I think that's, that gave me a real sort of like focus and really helped me think, right, this is exciting. This is new. And what can I learn? And what can I, where can I go with it all? But it was quite different having, you know, probably four or five different goals rather than just one ultimate. But it was still, still as important. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it, it took me quite a while. I think it's, you know, you're thrown into situations that you've never been before. Um, you know, as an athlete, you're quite a selfish person because it's about what you eat. It's about your training. It's about all those sorts of things. I had to learn that there's other people in the world almost and, I think having kids straight away really helped that. It wasn't all about you. Um, and also I think I learned that, you know, around business, you know, I hadn't been exposed really to business world. And I think I tried to be somebody else that I wasn't. Um, and I think it was about learning quite a few years to, to be true to yourself and what your own beliefs are and not trying to fit into a box of somebody else. Um, and I think that, was, that took me a while. Um, I think it took me a while to understand people there's a lot of people that want to use to use you because of who you are and to rip you off and so I had to learn how to judge people and I think a lot about going with your own gut feeling and being able to try you know read people which I hadn't had to do with 
you know, being an athlete and a sports person. And, and I think that took a while. So I think it's just about learning there's new journeys and there's new things and new challenges and new ups and downs. And, you know, it, it was still the same thing and what I've learned. And, you know, what I've been retired now, probably, I don't know, 25 years, something like that. And I would say, you know, I'm still learning. Um, still haven't got it sussed, um, but I'm still very motivated and um, I've, I've still, you know, I keep saying I have to keep reinventing myself over the years, which is brilliant that I get that opportunity um, and still how important to carry on learning is. Um, and I think that helps with reinventing yourself. So, you know, now at the moment we're doing a lot around uh, corporate health and well-being, which has sort of been a progress from doing a lot of talks on high performance, but now it's much more around health, well-being, resilience, um, and putting good, you know, strong programs into organisations to help their employees. And uh, to, especially in the last few months, it's been really important. So, yeah, I'm very excited by that because it's something that I, you know, it, it's me. It's true to me. Um, I won't do something that I don't enjoy now. I don't believe in, which I think has, has allowed me to do that. Um, but, you know, it's still ups and down days. It's still good days, bad days, pressure. Um, but I think the thing I've learned is to appreciate much more the now and to understand, uh, live in the moment. Uh, I think sport allows you, you're always on the next roller coaster. And I think, you know, I think where I've come from in the whole full circle is about living much more in the now and appreciating it. Yeah, and focus and to really push yourself but sometimes to appreciate the things that you know are really around you and true to you and I think especially in this last sort of three four months. I think that's a powerful message about kind of living in the now um, and appreciating what you currently have around you but I guess also it's great to see that you're continually setting goals for yourself you're continuing developing and reinventing yourself so I guess I would be interested to understand at what point did you kind of feel successful at what point did you say I'm successful or have you said that yet? Have you felt that yet? Um, I think it's a really interesting thing, and I don't think you ever do. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Because you, even though you know, I was sort of saying I didn't reflect on my athletics career to afterwards. And probably now, you know, what is success? It's not about the car or the house or any of those sorts of things. I think the thing that I've learned now, it's about, um, as I said, it's about almost slowing down. And, and I think it's about the people that are around you and the friendship and, um relationships and things that make you happy <laughs> so you know i'm not saying that we shouldn't have those drives and it's really nice but i like to feel like i've earned my holidays you know and that's by working hard but i'd like to then share my holidays or my time with my family and my friends and feel like you know that time that i've worked hard is this is the way that i reward it and it's not just about me it's about how i can share that with others and i think that's the thing that you know is is really important and um i think it's taken you know quite a few years to understand so you're now talking about kind of finding what makes you happy uh you mentioned about slowing down so i guess a lot of what you do now um following your olympic career is about that goal which is happiness it's well, I've seen in your blogs, you talk about yoga, you talk about being healthy and talk about being kind to yourself, um, which obviously links to mindfulness. So I guess, would you be able to share with our audience some mindfulness tips and techniques that you have learned? I can't you know, highlight how important exercise is, you know, and I exercise now 
for a completely different reason. It's not about, you know, what you look like. It's about my mental health. You know, it, it allows me to have my me time. That's probably what I call my mindfulness. Um, it allows me to listen to the birds. It allows me to, you know, walk with the dog, you know, all those sorts of things. And that's about, you know, that's what exercise does for me now. I think that's what's really important. So I would say, you know, that's a really important. Um, I think sleep, you know, I can't highlight how important it is to, I know, and, and it's hard sometimes. Uh, but so much of, you know, mental health and tiredness and not achieving and, you know, not feeling happy with things is because we haven't had a good night's sleep and make bad decisions and that sort of thing. So I think it's important to get off those machines and to, you know, and to switch off. And that's, you know, what does that look like to people? Um, you know, that that's, goes back to your me time. Is that, you know, just reading a book, reading a magazine, having a cup of coffee? I think... I think so often we, we feel guilty about doing those sorts of things. And I'm, you know, I'm one for that, you know, not allowing yourself to do those things. And I think the thing that I've learned and I'd say to people is, you know, you deserve it. And I'm not saying just sit there and read a book all day. It's about, you know, finding your five, 10 minutes, you're having your lunch break. It's about getting outside and doing some exercise, going for a walk. It's just about appreciating all those and how important those are to um to help you guys in achieving what you want to achieve and to be able to deal with it because you know you don't get you know burnout and you don't get you know mental health issues or whatever else it's about realizing how important some of those things are yeah and, is, and you touched on the mental health issues i mean have you had any maybe experiences in the past that have not been so good in terms of your mental health state and maybe how have you overcome them yeah, and, and, you know, I think we all do to a certain degree. And I know, um, you know, I, I, I grew up with a with my mum having a lot of mental health problems. And um, I see it a lot with the, the corporate wellbeing work we do at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's a big area and it's going to be bigger in, in what we've been through in the last three to four months. Um, and we do, we have bad days. But I always say, you know, if I haven't exercised, I, I know I've eaten rubbish, drunk too much, haven't exercised, then... I'm not a particularly nice person to be around. It's as simple as that. So I now know what I need to put in place. Um, and, um, you know, when things are tough, I will go for a walk. You know, I'll force myself. It's the last thing I want to do, but I'll force myself to do it. So, yeah, we do have bad and good days. And, um, and I think that's the other thing of, you know, we, I've got a great group of friends and we talk complete rubbish. And I think, you know, but it does help. And I think... You know, it is about having people we can chat to as well. And I think sometimes when you're on your own in your office and, you know, maybe you are an entrepreneur and you're doing this on the own, it's sometimes you don't have people to chat to. And I think it's really important. It doesn't have to be, you know, within people that you associated with. It could be anybody. But I think that's, you know, realising how important that is as well. Yeah, and it's kind of who you surround yourself with. You say you've got your friends that you surround yourself with. That's so important. Yeah. That's a message that we've seen consistently on from other guests we've had on. It's all about that, who you surround yourself with, because it, it is so important. It's the top five, I think people say. Yeah, and also I think, you know, you can, I've, you know, when I was, you know, running and training, I had to work, you know, not everybody was that positive around me. So I had to learn when, to, you know, what to say, when to move away, who I was going to share a room with, you know. It, it, some people can be very draining and it's... Um, and it's how important, you know, I would surround myself with really great positive people because it made the difference, you know, massively and even now. 
Yeah, your comment about um, being mindful um, and being in the here and now, in the present moment, I think is something that, well, personally, I've struggled with it. Um, I'm either thinking too far ahead or I'm thinking behind, or I've got a foot in the past and a foot in the future, but it's like here and now, and certainly as a parent, I have three daughters, you know, to actually be present with them, yeah. conscious with them. Um, it's, it's a really interesting topic. Um, and the other thing that you said that, um, that is, is something else that um, keeps popping up is um, being able to separate between the things that you can control and the things that you can't control. Um, and sometimes those, those lines get blurred um, I don't know whether you have any anything to say about that. Yeah, I mean, I think on the first one, I think you know, sometimes little small changes can make such a big difference. You know, you know, some people think, God, I'm never going to be able to do this, but or whatever else. But you know, I think that's how we worked as athletes, and that's something that I work now. You know, even if you just tweak a little bit, and you know, as a runner, you know, you take your own pillow with you. You know, it's simple things like that can make such a big difference, and you know, and I think that's where you know little things like just sitting down and I don't know chatting to your kids and having a meal is is you know something that should be a prioritized you know and it might only be 10 minutes or whatever else but it's something that is so so it's just little things it doesn't have to be massive we have to change everything and I think that's really important um and then now I've forgotten the second question what was the second question sorry uh, the second question was um separating between what you can control and what you can't control because you commented on it earlier uh, how the the lines are blurred sometimes but i think you know because people can worry 95 percent of what people worry about generally don't happen but it's just knowing what you can and control and what you can't yeah i mean and that's a skill in itself and that that's something that i took ages to do um but it that you know that whole visualization and that whole um you know just process of it and i think it's just yeah, I mean, I think I think I learned it the first time was when I didn't win a race at European Championships, and um, you know, and it, and I'd had all these lovely plane sailing, and then it was like, wow, you know, you're not the athlete that you thought, but you know, it was a case of well, you can dwell on this for six months, <laughs> or you know, the thing I had to learn, and what I was learning is like, okay, so this has happened, and come on, let's work out why. So everything that goes wrong I, I just try and find that positive and I think it's, it doesn't matter how big how small you just think I've got to find the learning something to learn and making sure it doesn't happen again it just helps me to, to move and the more you do that the, the more that you just naturally instantly do it and I, and I know now that I've retired and in this world there's, you know that is my whole outlook is I'm always trying to sort everybody's problems out which sometimes is good sometimes you just need to let things be and then look at it in a few days' time. But, you know, I am a solutions person and that's what my sport has taught me. And, you know, there's sometimes some good and bad from that. <laughs> one, one final question I'd like to touch on quickly. So if we could arrange for you to have a coffee with anybody, who would you choose and why? Gosh, do they have to be alive? One Maybe have one of each. Oh, wow. Should have warned me about this. Make it really good. Yeah, um, I think... Uh, Nelson Mandela would have been somebody that I would love to have had a coffee with and spent time with. Uh, I trained a lot in South Africa, so I was there uh, for many years where, when he was such an important figure. Um, and I think he, you know, reading his book and just it just taught so much and it made so much sense. So probably him. And now, oh, the person now would be David Attenborough, which probably everybody, um, it, it probably would say, um, and I'm just where I am. Uh, in my life and just 
you know, how important those sorts of things, you know, our world and animals and what they teach us. And, and again, that living in the now, and it's not always about, you know, pushing and drive and all these sorts of things. Sometimes it is about, you know, appreciating the things that we have around us. Yeah, David Attenborough is a is a great answer. He's just amazing guy. I mean, I remember there was a festival I saw on the news, and it was I don't know if it was Glastonbury or something. It went completely plastic free, and he came up on stage, and you've never seen a guy just his voice just completely the whole place just went silent yeah. as they listened. Every generation, everybody just stopped and listened. He's made such a difference amazing, in the world, isn't it? and you know he would know so much, isn't it? It's from yeah, to learn still. Awesome stuff. And I guess one final thing from me. So actually, Peter, have you got a question for, for Sally before we quickly wrap up? Yes, I do. Um, it was kind of around uh, the kind of topic of trainers and mentors. And I guess I hadn't ever thought of a trainer kind of being that and being your like support network for probably quite a long time as your, as your training. Um, but how important is it that you find those people in your life, whether that is uh, within sports or within business and kind of your day-to-day life um so yeah how important is it that you found those people and is there kind of anyone that you really have met during your journey yeah I mean I, ha- I think you know for me there are a lot of role models and I had role models throughout my whole life and still do now um obviously my role models when I was younger were athletes and sports people like Ed Moses and people like that um now I think it's um, you know, and it is that cross. You know, Bruce, my coach, was an amazing mentor, and you know, and 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 you know, my husband that I met when I was young, he was a great backbone of what I did, and so I had those great people around me, which was really important. Um, but even still, now there's always still have even a fifty odd years old, I'm still looking and having role models and people I look up to, and and often they are. I come across very successful women within business, and. Um, who do seem to have balanced and, um, you know, a very strong views and um, achieving a lot and have great families and, and, you know, and I think, wow, you know, amazing. And I think, I think it's really important for all of us to have people in our lives, but we're always looking at, you know, who do we want to be aspired by? And I think there's nothing wrong with that. So, yeah, when, you, when you've got nobody then, um, you know, that you look up to, I think that's, you know, I think that's probably tells your type of character isn't it (laughs) so I think you know at any point there's always somebody that you aspire to who you know really think wow you know it's amazing what they do and so I have um I have a final question for you so if you were to um leave one piece of advice for our listeners um what would what would that advice be um I would just say is is believe in yourself you know look at that whole mental side and the strength of the mind and um, you know read up about it learn some techniques and plug into it don't ignore it you know nine times out of ten it's always the last thing that we we address we look at all the work we look at all this and that but it's often the thing that holds us back so yeah just go out believe in yourselves and and you know tap into it awesome and if people want to find you on social media where can they go yeah, just look up Sally Gunnell um, on Twitter, on Instagram, and um, yeah, and we've got a website as well. So yeah, just, just, just have a little look. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you very much, guys. Well, Sally, thank you so much for coming on. It's been awesome to have you. Thank you very much for joining us for the very first episode of Rocket Pod. Join us next week as we chat to world record holder and adventurer Neil Lawton, who was the first man to fly from London to Timbuktu in a flying car. You don't want to miss it. 
Check us out on social media at We Are Rocket Pod. And of course, subscribe. And one big final thank you to our awesome sponsor, Flexi, who is the mecca for all your subscriptions. Something that we love about Flexi is they feature local and independent businesses, making you feel even better about shopping with Flexi. So what are you waiting for? Download for free today from the App Store and check out that website at flexiapp.uk. That's spelled F-L-E-X-Y app.uk. And start managing your subscriptions today. We look forward to joining you next week. Have a great day.